We're back, podcast on a plane, episode 89 of From the Valley Podcast. Tim Wilsh here, along with my best travelling buddy here, Matthew and Cox of Matthew Thomas Stores. We just ate our meal uh, from Qantas. Um, I had chicken, you had beef. You, your dish is pretty good, mate. Uh, I can't fucking even see a crumb there. What? You must have enjoyed it that much. Well, I did, Timmy, but if your memory extends back about four minutes, you'll realise that... I did give you about a third of my beef because I could see you devoured yours in about 48 seconds, which you usually do, you, you know, so then you sort of feel obligated to share your meal with you just to keep you busy while I'm eating mine. Well, the problem with my meal was, um, I mean, the chicken is all well and good and there's probably a lot of fucking carbs and crap around the sauce element, but, you know, what, what I've left more than half of it, the rice, you know, all the rice has been left behind, so on my uh, ketogenic diet, uh, Matty, uh, I'm sort of avoiding rice like the plague, you know, so I see it as evil, 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 evil. <laughs> but um, there wasn't much evil on that plate over there, look at that, it's, it's all gone and demolished, but a um, bit of quinoa, I think quinoa is okay. Um, so we're talking a bit about uh, about uh, retail, um, I guess, in the, in the break. Um, it's a very tough game, isn't it, retail in 2020? Um, as we sort of sort of came into the break, we just sort of discussed how the coronavirus had affected uh, business and uh, things like the retail trade, uh, and uh, we've just had the bushfires where a lot of even the retailers and stores that are sort of out in the bush, people aren't visiting, the tourists aren't getting out there. Uh, retail is a tough game, but um, uh, one thing that is very important is. Uh, you know, obviously rent space and how much you pay for it. Uh, negotiating rent is 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 always very important. It gives you a lot of leverage uh, if you can sort of keep that under control. Uh, you've had obviously a, f- a few different premises over the course of time and signed quite a. You obviously signed quite a few leases, long-term leases. Uh, what are some of the secrets that uh, I guess that if you're a tenant that you really need to be looking for in 2020 to be able to make sure you're not overpaying rent. Thanks, Tim. Well, look, we've traded in 17 different stores. Um, the, the two that we're in now, one we've been there for about 10 years and the other one coming on eight. And these are the most successful. So surprise, surprise, they're the ones we've had the most time. The 17 stores I've included are, are pop-up shops in that where we've run, you know, sale outlets. And when we were first starting, when and we traded, that's how we started. We started trading in you know market stores and then pop-up stores, and then you know some years later we started signing permanent leases. Yeah, I think the, the key to any negotiation is to um, is to is to know your worth, um, understand and really understand the the market, understand the what it is that you're negotiating and and, and the market for which that uh, goods or service you know is part of and so for me if I'm negotiating a tenancy now and like I did only recently um, I'm acutely aware that there aren't many buyers in the market there are not many retail stores that are out there looking to expand I mean you only have to listen to the news on a, on a daily basis and there are so many that are that are fall, that are falling over and they're right sizing they're not downsizing but right sizing having the right amount of stores uh, having, a, having a shop's expensive you've got to pay rent got to staff, you got to power it, um, electricity, phone, internet, etc, etc. 
and then you, and then some of the same goods that you're selling on internet sites who doesn't doesn't have really any of those costs um, is is um, undercutting you you know on on price so why on earth you, a lot of why you know what's the incentive to open up shop um, the beauty about retail is is that that people will always you know want to want to buy their tactile people like touching things people it's instant, the tra- the transactions instantaneous um, you can see what you're getting you can trust the um, the vendor um, but the reality is is that there it's just you know it's it's it, it's diabolical at the moment so as a, as someone that's going to enter a lease you know you hold all the aces so you've got to negotiate fiercely and be prepared to walk it's a very good advice, Matt, um, and I think it's just a lot, being an accountant helped a lot of small businesses over the last 20 years and had the discussion about rent. It's amazing to see that, uh, you know, what some people pay for rent. I remember a Chinese restaurant um, in Castledine weren't even turning over, you know, $350,000 a year they were paying over a third of that in rent and that's just criminal when you think about those sort of numbers and you know that eventually it's just not going to work eventually you're just going to have to to move out and do something else um, so that's what people have got to understand they just can't let the landlords always completely win they've got to come to a you know and landlords are you know, if they are sensible in 2020, then they should negotiate. If if they if the hand gets forced, they don't want to necessarily have an empty space for two two amount of time. Uh, I've seen a lot of empty spaces uh, on the north side of Brisbane. The vacancy rates uh, for property, commercial property, is not uh, you know it's it's north of five percent and closing in on ten. Um, so it's it's um, you know we have we have people that we know in the industry that there's a lot of for lease signs there. So there's always there's always options. Um, so yeah, that's quite interesting, Matt. Um, so that's one interesting story. The other one that we were sort of talking to about a little bit uh, and how that sort of is disrupted uh, the retail uh, hospitality industry a bit, uh, food uh, takeaway and that sort of thing is things like. Uh, uh, Uber Eats in particular, Menu Log, those types of uh, businesses. I'm I'm a person that I don't like to use those services. Uh, sometimes if you get if you get into these services, you might you know it's like Uber. You, if you if you see the convenience, then and the price, and it's going to be a good service, it's going to work well for you. You'll use it. But as far as something like Uber Eats, I just don't get it. I don't get that. Why would you not sort of just drive around, sit down at the restaurant, enjoy a bit of relaxation, uh, put some uh, money into the economy, sit down, enjoy some food uh, in some ambience, as opposed to um, uh, somebody picking up the food uh, in a tracksuit, uh, you know, and fucking, you know, a yellow fucking jack jock strap um, t-shirt, and uh, coming in with an Uber Eats bag, and then. You know, sort of looking like a, an eyesore on otherwise sort of good, what could be a good-looking uh, restaurant or eating area. What are your thoughts on about this whole 
Uber Eats business and where do you see this Uber Eats business going in the future uh, from what you know? Well, Tim, as the owner of two cafes, um, this this heavily interests me. Um, there's no doubt that Uber Eats have a massive effect on, on, um, on bricks and mortar food service, particularly uh, businesses that have a, have a nighttime trade. Um, I don't believe that it's hurt a lot of um, a lot of breakfast trade. Um, we've been prospected heavily by by Uber Eats and Menu Log for us to partner up. Uh, for anyone that's familiar with our venue at Sandgate, it's a it's a you know it's a high end uh, heritage listed establishment. You know, in an affluent suburb, in a prime position within that suburb, overlooking the water, we've got a big breakfast menu. We get really busy. So the last thing I want to do is a upset the aesthetic and have. Um, a litany of Uber drivers, Uber Eats drivers turning up and um, and um, affecting that. Now, I'm not begrudging them a living. In fact, I admire them. I admire anyone that that toils and um, and has a crack and is you know is just trying to do better for themselves and their family. But as a business, um, we need to preserve um, you know what you know the key components um, of what we offer. And as I said, one's ambience. So I believe that Uber Eats upsets that. The other thing is that what I'm finding, I'm going to some of my favourite places at night who are, and, and who are putting around Uber Eats and I'm waiting longer. And why I'm waiting is because there's Uber Eats tickets that, that, that need to be um, processed and that food's going out quicker than mine. Now I'm a dining customer trying to support a bricks and mortar you know, establishment and, um, and, and my experience has diminished because of a decision to uh, partner up with Uber Eats. So I get why businesses do it, um, and I think there's a place for it. But for me, um, we, we'll, never, we'll never associate ourselves or partner up with, with, with um, you know, d- delivery-type companies uh, in this industry. And, um, and as a consumer, I, I won't support it. What, what a lot of people don't, especially as a property owner, you know, in, in, in progressive suburbs... Um, you know the, the suburbs that have a that have a high street and that have a little retail strip a precinct. Um, you know those stores, if they're full, if they're vibrant, if they've got good operators and, and they're busy, and that they act as community hubs, um, and that they present well, they add value to the area. And as a property owner, you know we're, that's one of the big incentives, not just to have a nice place to live, a nice community, but if you can achieve some capital growth on your investment, you know that's a that's an added bonus and, and perhaps part of your your strategy for wealth creation. So, um, good, good. You know, have have the top the top suburbs in Brisbane all have um, are all known. You know, all have good food precincts and, and, and a good cafe culture. And uh, you know, to in, to in my opinion, Uber Eats diminishes that. It does diminish that. There's obviously some sort of market for it. I'd be interested to see what happens with Uber Eats in the future, um, how the share goes as far as the market, how it certainly does affect the outlets, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting conversation about Uber Eats. Um, another sort of, I guess, uh, interesting thing we can talk about, you, you'll probably never listen to this podcast, but uh, that brother of mine, he's, he's, a, he's a weird guy, isn't he? he <laughs> he's sort of... Uh, um, you know, we sort of, he told us recently he might be coming to Australia and he might sort of come in and and, uh, and see us and the kids might come out again and uh, whatnot. Uh, then the whole coronavirus sort of came. Um, and then he, he obviously 
you know, didn't didn't sort of happen. But uh, I think he sort of earmarked that your place he was going to stay there. Um, and you sort of, but you you were sort of welcoming my brother with open arms, you know. But uh, when we sort of heard the news, I don't know if it was a reprieve or what. what, what what's your sort of opinion on all of this? Well, look, I love Nick. Uh, uh, you know, like I do yourself, Timmy. We've been Tim and I, Nick and I, have been mates since uh, since ninety. 97, and I met you in the year 2000, so I've got, got 23 years and 20 years respectively. Thank you. Um, you know, of history, but Tim's, you know, you're, you're eccentric, you know, there's, there's no doubt about that. You're, you're one of a kind, you're unique, and that's why, that's why I love you. Nick Nick has that as well, but then you throw in, um, you throw in, you know, insane behaviour, um, uh, annoyance, Frustration, uh, bad hygiene. Um, what hygiene? Yeah, uh, like he's you know he doesn't always wears the same clothes day in day out sometimes. But well, those, those little black smelly shirts. Yeah, black shirts, those faded black shorts, thongs, you know. Um, but but listen, I'm not going to want to denigrate him too much. I, I love the guy, and I hope, if you listen to this, Nick, um, don't be don't be offended, big guy, thick skin. Um, but yeah, was I happy? No, I, I enjoy having him stay actually, um, but. He's, he's a fucking know-it-all. That's that's a fact, all right? You always tell you what to do, but the thing was, you know, my lovely parents, my mum and dad, you know, they, they've they worked hard and they're retired. They're just trying to have a good good life and they're just uh, about to finish building a, a nice uh, holiday house sort of overlooking the Marucci River and uh, they're just trying to want to settle in there and then basically, you know, that there's talk of a going on a holiday to, to Europe and, and my brother sort of, you know, Basically talking him out, you know, he just gets him on the phone and goes, "Oh, Tim, you know what we should do? You know, us brothers have got to stick together. You know, we've got to, <laughs> we've got to make sure that you know. I don't think this is a good idea that <laughs> that they go on this uh, holiday, in, you know, September for about a month. And uh, you know, you got to stick with me. This, are you with me? <laughs> you with me? And I uh, said, "Ah, oh, come on, man. You know, there's the fucking they can live their own life. You know." Oh, but look, that's tough, you know. And you know, mum, mum got injured when they were fucking, you know. Mum's mum had an ankle problem, uh, you know, when they were out back in in the, in the middle of nowhere, and uh, and dad nearly cut his finger off and all this sort of stuff. And dad, you know, dad's, uh, you know, is uh, going through this and that. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you live once. You live life once. You don't know how long you got to live. Uh, you know, life is short. You got to enjoy it, don't you? I mean, you, you can't just sort of. I don't know. You've got to think about other people, and you've got to think that you know, you've got to be wanting them to experience the best out of life. And if they want to do something, and uh, you know, you, they've got the decision to make it. You, you've got to appreciate their decisions. I mean, we do only live life once. Um, you know, you just don't know when when your number's up. You really don't. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Um, so I, th- I think at the end of the day, you got to live life to the fullest, don't you? Yeah, dude, Timmy. As you said, we're only here like once. We don't get a rerun. Live life to the fullest. And um, and in terms of, you know, your parents kick some goals in life and they've got the finances about the forward trips and and, and um, some of the finer things in life. So um, why not why not use them? Use them while you can. And also while you've got the health. We never know what tomorrow will bring. 
Health's a very important thing, and as you get older, it's, it's hard for your health to get, you know, sometimes it does get better, but you can't bank on that. So you just got to live life to the fullest, man. You really do. That's not a bad whisk bar, is it? That lemon myrtle. I'll tell you what, Qantas, um, can't fold it. You know, still get meals. Planes are clean. All about standards, as I talked about on my previous podcast. I love business that are all about standards and that you can rely on to to um, to achieve that standard. So you, you get what you pay for. Um, yeah, really good airline. Yeah, love Weiss bars. Actually, Timmy, I don't know if you know that. I think I'm pretty sure Weiss, the factory in Toowoomba, is closed. They're a Queensland institution, Weiss, and uh, it was my mother's favourite ice cream going up at Fruto. Uh, see, they were, they were dearer. They were... The, Fruitos are about $3 in the 80s. So here we are, you know, 30 odd years later. And you can buy four of them for bloody five bucks when they're on special at Coles, you know. Um, yeah, that's one of those bizarre things that's come come down in price over the years. But yeah, great product. I try to eat mine a bit too quickly, a bit of a, a bit of a, an ice headache. But, uh, beautiful um yeah you're right i mean one thing we we're finding if you go supermarket shopping and you look at there are some things that go up in price one thing that sort of don't understand i mean there's a lot of stuff that just stays the same when it comes to price as well like there's always stuff going on special you know soft drinks on special chocolates never eat it but dollar a chocolate it's the same price as it was 15 years ago, the chocolates. Um, you know, they haven't gone really up in price. Milk's still a dollar a cut. Is it still a dollar a litre or something for for the standard sort of shit? And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how... I mean, the supermarkets just try to... I mean, sometimes it can be good for the consumers from the, the price point, but or is it really good for everything else? No. Well, it's not sustainable, like... You know, milk shouldn't be used as a as a as a product to, to act as a leader. You know, to get people in. There's no way that milk should be dearer than water. We need to pay a responsible price. And and for, for milk that's produced here in Australia, you know, for Australian standards, Australian farms, we've got to be willing to pay more. We need to keep these farmers solvent, so that in the future, Tim, that you know, we're we're a country that's living off and enjoying the produce of this country rather than you know importing it where it's been mass produced and so short term yeah you're getting good milk at good prices long term i think future generations are going to pay for it and we're going to lose industries that that won't return yeah i mean industries like the car industry holden i don't know if you're a fan of the holdens or if you if you had much to do with that uh with cars over over your lifetime i don't think i ever owned a holden myself but uh it just goes to show you that uh you know, you take your eye off the ball and what's going on, you, you sort of lose out as, as an icon, uh, an icon lost. Um, and it happens from time to time that icons go out the door, and Holden is the most recent example of that. What do you think could have happened differently for a company like Holden? Without being an expert in the car industry, I'll offer my limited opinion, but that industry was deregulated, and so you're getting a... You know, a lot more. There's just so much choice in the way of cars, Tim. More brands than you can think of. There's this um, a litany of choice, and so they're competing in an unlevel playing field. 
of course, you know, customers are going to choose cars with equivalent technology and, 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 and equivalent specs that are made offshore at, at a far better price. Um, so it's unfair. So we've got free trade. We do regulate that industry, but it's come at the expense of, of industry here and, um, and subsequently they've, you know, they're, they're exiting. Um, yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's sad, Tim. So I try and look not with cars. I had a Holden Gemini when I was younger, but with just about everything else, um, you know, I back my sentiment up with my wallet and, and, and buy Australian. My business, we buy just about everything that's Australian. It's a good old Holden Gemini, I remember those, but never owned one. But I remember them. Uh, classic car, classic indeed. That's for sure. Very, um, yeah. So. Yeah, so Auckland, um, I guess it's going to be an interesting weekend. The plan is Friday is a sort of day off. Saturday, uh, a bit of a bit more a bit around the city. I don't know if you checked the weather forecast for Saturday, Matt. But it does appear like a high, a high, a high chance of rain on Saturday. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what we end up doing on Saturday. There will be rains. Um, there will be another. Uh, there's, there's also a a press conference with uh, Adesanya and Romero, except Romero won't be in attendance. He'll be, over, but Adesanya will be there. So that'll be an interesting. Uh, there'll be another press conference straight after the weigh-ins. Uh, there won't be a Q and A like last time. Um, and then there'll be the obviously uh, Sunday will be the day uh, that we're looking forward to with the fights, and then the fight after the fight. Um, so that, that, I guess that's what we've got looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be, it's going to be a great one when it comes to that. Um, I guess uh, I mean, what have you sort of found? I mean, you, you're when I we last spoke to you uh, in Adelaide, uh, when we sort of flew to Adelaide, we uh, we ended up having that great weekend. We went to the um, we went to the uh, Rossa Valley, uh, the vineyard. We managed to somehow do that on the same day that the plane left uh, in the afternoon. That was a very good effort, I thought, to go out there and do that. Um, but uh, when we sort of did the podcast back then, and we look at where your business is now, I mean, you still employ quite a number of staff. It's not like there is any less. Same here, we sort of staff numbers are sort of certainly going north as opposed to south. Like staff challenge is always an interesting one. We've just uh, had had the gone through um, one one very uh, great lady that sort of was a Kiwi actually and left after about uh, two and a half, nearly three years. Uh, but we were lucky, fortunate enough to find somebody else really quickly. Um, and uh, the challenge of staff is obviously uh, keeping good ones, uh, making sure that they were happy with their pay, uh, making sure that they're happy generally. Uh, that they're sort of in good health, they're good mentally, that they, they've got a good work ethic. Um, and I think the only thing you can... I mean, my only trick that I, that I sort of do is I just go make sure I say hello to everybody in the morning, just go around the office and generally say hello and just ask what they've been up to, spend about 10 minutes doing that uh, and just get a bit of a feel. What, what do you think the key to, to the, the success of the staff 
which are a big part of Matthew Thomas in my opinion as well to their success yes you're the, the ringleader the person that's done all the creative work uh, to get it off the ground I think um, but how have, you, how, how have you been able to get the staff uh, managed uh, to such a good standard you know and continually yeah that's a that's a good question Tim and it's you know there's a degree of complexity in, in the answer but quality attracts quality so if you want to, if you want quality people you need to be a quality organization um, you need to be organized you need to use systems that are that are current and that are modern and that are that are efficient and so the way in which you communicate your staff with staff so we've got good you know HR software where we publish memos and, and, and communication and posts um, it's, it's good rostering software it's, it's software where you know staff receive emails and, and texts and where where people can also you know manage their availability and, and ask for leave so staff love that so things like that just so just being organized in sense of you know where someone's going to work and you know what station and communication that's that's really really important um, then we move on to payroll um, good payroll software good payroll function having a good knowledge of of the industry that you're in the industrial relation um, relation laws that surround it the awards there's a lot of a lot of rogue operators in in food service that that don't don't you know they come into that sort of game they'll know you know they think that they're immune to to uh, operating you know to um, in accordance with with fair work and and proper IR laws and they can't attract people they don't retain people because because they're dodgy so um, that's something that we pride ourselves on as being efficient we've you know we're a business with two sites 30 staff but we've also got an office um, we have someone that's dedicated to to the efficient administration of our business uh, we pay our staff earlier in the week we pay proper awards um, that's that's something that that's really really important but just the operation itself and the brand we want to have we've got to have good stores that look good give our staff the right tools for the job you know good coffee machines good equipment any i'm always asking staff what do you need what do you need what do you need to do? is there anything you need I'm talking to my chefs talking to managers is, is there something that'll give us an edge is there something that's a bit nicer to use and so we're always trying to upgrade our equipment just today we upgraded um you know a pod system there's a, there's a few grand expense, but ultimately um, it'll, it'll lead to you know smoother transactions, uh, stronger. So tell us about. So you upgraded the POS system. Yeah, what does upgrade our POS system? We kept we've been using Ideal POS, and, and Ideal POS are great. Um, but we had a terminal that was 50-50 as to whether or not we replaced it. So we got a we got a brand new one um, because we just can't afford for it to possibly be out. We needed to be fast. Um, you know, POS system in a retail stores possibly the most important piece of equipment because as you saw you know a little while ago with Coles they had to shut up their shops when their POS systems went down the doors had to come down can't open so you need to be able to um, to perform transactions so POS system really really important and you you know that's why we don't we don't like cloud-based enough where we can drop out we like things that are hardwired with cat5 cable and so bit expensive um, because there's a lot of businesses that run things on apps and on mobile phones and and um, you know tablets and so forth but we like proper terminals that you know on a network that talk to each other and that are reliable and and it leads to a better a better outcome for the customer so you know a good investment in in technology uh, good uniforms 
um, but as you said before about respecting the workplace, building that camaraderie, communicating with with your staff, getting knowing people, knowing a bit about them. I'm care, I care about the welfare of, of all the people that work for us, um, and I, I try and get to know people, what makes them tick, what their goals are, a little bit of their family, and I try and man manage in accordance with with the backgrounds and the current situations of all my staff members. I, I don't have a, a black and white policy. For all, yeah, sure, we have policies and we have that we need, and we have um, you know, expectations that we that we need met. But I find that there that that we'll achieve more as a business and, and staff will be more productive if we just manage people just that little bit differently. Uh, as I said, based on their backgrounds and skills. Um, but yeah, look, it's one thing. I it's difficult. Um, to it's not easy to maintain a you know big teams and, and successful teams, but. We've, you know, we've, we've made a good fist of it. Um, I look at sporting organisations like the Melbourne Storm. You know, Craig Bellamy as coach, um, very, very consistent. Um, I try and look at other businesses that, you know, big uh, Qantas and, and the Accor Group, Sofitel. Look at, look at some of their service standards and think, okay, what, um, what are they, what are they doing? What are these guys doing? And um, they, they do the little things right. Manners, as we said before, good technology, good systems. The staff look good. Their facilities are good. They're clean. They're modern. Uh, if you do, and if you keep doing that stuff over and over again, those those little things that are good, um, you know, equate to an overall greatness. That's great, mate. Um, I guess I'm going to probably finish the podcast uh, overall part, part B's uh, shortly. It's, it's certainly been good to to do it again. Um, I just want to talk a bit about the products at Matthew Thomas. Uh, more so the the gift the gift shop uh, the gift shop area uh, and the stuff that's selling on online maybe to a degree as well but you know obviously the, the shop there um, what what do you think is anything sort of changing in the in the product space as far as what you're selling what are the things that sell the best and uh, and what do you rec- what do you recommend uh, for different types of uh, customers. Well, look, what we want to have in our store are, um, you know, are products that 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 are desirable that you that you that you feel good enough to use for yourself, or good enough to give to your son or your daughter or someone that you highly regard. So, what we try and have is a no junk policy. Um, have things that are good. So, we look for in, in the home fragrance area. We look we look for products that are made here in Australia. Um, and that'll guarantee generally a certain quality in itself. Um, and so we've got some of the leading brands in the country that you know in our store: like Glasshouse, Circa, Weathertree, London, Pep McGrove, Urban Ritual, um, the Aroma Co New Zealand. Um, you know products that that are that are well known. You'll find them in department stores, um, but you know not not too many independents. Um, you know sell those brands. So but, but we're one. Um, we have other known brands like Wedgwood, Royal Dalton, Royal Albert, Waterford, Waterford Crystal. Uh, a lot of those products um, are made in made in Europe, Italy, uh, Germany, Slovakia. So we're trying to again ha- having having products people know. Pierre cut in. We have in, the, in a range of of um, luggage and and um, you know bags and, and travel accessories and furniture and art. And there's a for us, art's big business, and a lot of you know these days people are, you know probably decorate more um, minimalistically, and 
about having just sort of one or two feature pieces rather than lots of clutter in their houses. So we offer a lot of those pieces and we get a lot of work from interior designers, um, you know, property stylists, real estate agents, people that are just renovating their home or selling their home for listings. And um, so that's that's good business for us, a lot of mirrors. We, this year we want to arrange some new furniture. Um, looking forward to doing that. But um, yeah, we then we have you know good brands like Ashton that are you know nice china cups and so forth and um, that are that are f- favourites particularly with um, elderly clientele. So yeah, the, the, but you know retail's a tough game. As I said, it's been bricks and mortar retail's been majorly hampered by online um, operators and and a millenn- and particularly you know for millennials that. You know, starting to predominantly shop online. We're, we we operate in that space as well, um, and so we've been on, online retailing ourselves for probably about eight years now. Actually, no longer ten. Um, and every year that's growing for us. And yeah, so we. But we what we're finding now is more and more people are, are going home and using a website as a catalogue. So they're looking at products and then ordering them uh, online, and then for clicking collect at either our Aspley or our our Sandgate store but look it isn't easy we just got to keep you know doing our best and um, constantly partnering up with with uh, suppliers that that have integrity and that that operate with finesse and um, that sell sell good products good things and, and otherwise we you know we really don't want them in our store and likewise we do the same in the cafe and uh, the cornerstone of it is our Toby's Estate Coffee. Well, what sort of I guess to finish up, what what sort of trends are you seeing in what what people are are buying the most from those products at the moment? What are what are what are, what are the most popular ones? Well, home, home fragrance is a big category for us because people, you know, really taking um, interest and taking the time to have their house smelling good. So they're putting things like diffusers and candles on their shopping list. So when they use them, they come back and buy more. So there's there's at least good good stock turn and and um, you know, product cycle with with, with that category. Um, I'm no expert, but we've been selling fashion for 10 years, so having some unique fashion pieces for, for ladies that, um, you know, we're not going to see them at a, that more generic and vanilla type offerings. Um, so that, that's that's big for us. You know, we can, you know, women can come in and buy sometimes two and three dresses at once just for, because they like it, because they don't see that, you know, those styles elsewhere. The yeah, that's artwork's it. huge for us as well yeah canvases artwork um it's got such a great range at matthew thomas so uh it's been great to have you on, on the podcast again for a, for our second uh, podcast on a plane um we're more, more than halfway now to to auckland i'd say there's only about an hour to go um i'm looking forward to another trip another uh, memories uh that are going to be had um it's it's going to be great matt thank you very much for your for telling us a bit more about the story, a bit more about your thoughts on on uh, business, MMA, UFC, life generally. Uh, it's been great to have you on the uh, podcast, my friend. Thank you, Timmy, and, and, and likewise. And I think, you know, I think you need to give, if you haven't, you should be given more, uh, you know, business advice yourself. Have someone ask you the questions because, you know, you've been an accountant for for 20 odd years and, and I remember when you started I mean you started as a um, you know in a, in a graduate type position and here you are two decades later as um, 
you know, one of the directors and, um, you know, and where, just where you work from. You work from under in a, in a small office and now to, you know, really what is a, a modern, you know, modern first-class facility that would stack up probably anywhere. It's, a, it's just a, you know, credit to you that, um, you, know, where, you know, where you've come from and, and your journey and, and um, you're very, very consistent. That's what I admire about you. You're incredibly... Um, consistent and stable and I think that that in itself breeds success you know routine and discipline and doing the same things that work day in day out being reliable and um, you know you've had a you've had one of my brothers that's worked in your business for I don't know how long Shane but probably about 18 years 18 years you know so to have someone actually want to stay and continue to devote you know 40 50 hours of their week to an organization for 18 years of their life means that there's something that's done right at an operational level and you know and you're, you're a big part of that in my opinion um, the soul of CTBS yeah it's a, it's a, thank you very much it's been very kind words Matt um, I do miss I guess I guess earlier in the in the podcast part part a if we split it um, I, I do miss the games of squash I mean I think uh, that's something I miss quite a bit um, but Sometimes you've got to look after your body a bit more, and uh, with knee surgery, it sort of had to take note of of uh, you know keeping my knees under check. Um, but I definitely miss the games of squash. They were very competitive. Um, certainly, things I used to look forward to. We used to it was a, it was very much a close to a 50-50 record. It really was over many years. Um, very competitive, wasn't it? Well, no, in all honesty, Tim, I had, the, I had the wood on you early on the first few years. I probably had a, a 70, 30% win, win loss over probably four years, but I'd say the last seven, eight that we were playing, um, you probably won 75% of the time. Yeah, so overall, I, I would say that you are you are the better player. You developed a game that I just couldn't, uh, couldn't really compete against and um, brilliant agility and athleticism for a for a big guy and now given that you've lost weight I'd say that even with your knees you'd be you know I'd, I'd, I'd really struggle to beat your buddy but um you're right you know we've got to look after our body and um but skiing later in the year mate yeah definitely skiing later in the year we, we might have to have one more game of squash this year just to, to you know see who, who ended up who's the best in 2020 but uh it's because it's been such a long time since we had a game it really has I do miss those games but um, you know the surgery it's coming up to two and a half years ago uh, that, that, that had that and obviously haven't played a game since um, yeah the skiing as I said I haven't done much of that over the course of time I've done I went snowboarding once um, in 2018 uh, when the, and uh, that was fun at Coronet Peak which would be just up the road from where our invest, the investment property will be um, yeah, so now look forward to that. Look forward to later on in the year when when things change, uh, take a you know take more of a change. I guess uh, it's going to be quite interesting. Uh, thanks, thanks to all the listeners for listening. Um, share it around, Matt, and uh, like you did to the last time. Otherwise, I mean, how do you get to number two? I still don't know. But, you know, share it around and uh, yeah, mate. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. And um, if, we don't, if we don't play squash soon, Timmy, tennis, mate. Less less taxing on the body, mate, and um, equally as fun, buddy. So I'd certainly get my ass kicked in that game anyway. That's uh, 
it. It's been the 20th of February 2020 episode 89, Tim Wilshire with Matthew Cox, best uh, mates that travel. And uh, that's that's it for that's a wrap. And um, yeah.